If you could do anything you wanted to do without anything holding you back, what would it be? Everyone has a purpose in life, and others want to hear the purposeful value that is in you. Now, here is the host of the Value in You show, your guiding coach and mentor, Ellis Kirkpatrick. Hi, and welcome to the show. Uh, it's almost Christmas time. Uh, so excited about it. We have our guest, Albert, right here in the studio with us today. Try and get this light here a little bit better. We're going to do something different today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the story of Mary and Joseph and the time of her giving birth. You know, we talked about um, the journey and the treachery that was on the journey and how bad things could have been and what all she had to go through. Now they're in Bethlehem. And um, first, I want to, before we get into that, I want to introduce again, Albert. And I'm so glad you're here. Tell everybody about yourself again, Albert. Absolutely. Um, well, not much has changed since the last time I've been here. Uh, 24-year-old uh, living in Texas. I've uh, been here for a few years now. I'm originally from California. And I currently uh, work in Round Rock and uh, serve a church in Round Rock. So um having fun, having a blast, to have me get a chance to be fortunate to be back on this podcast. So I love it. I can't wait to get into to tonight's topic. Yeah, yeah, this is great. So I want to talk a little bit more about um, uh, what people think about going on uh, right now. And and you have your creatures that are up, and those are are the Mary and Joseph. Um, it's stable, maybe it's a building, maybe it's just, um, you know, a piece of wood and you've got your donkeys and your camels and your chickens and your sheeps and your dogs and everything else that's on there. I know kids used to put all of their little toy animals up there, um, in the barn, but I kind of want to get back to what it really was, where they're at and what's going on. Um, so to take us back a little bit, we know that Mary and Joseph, as I said, we're on this treacherous journey. They finally made it to Bethlehem. And then the traditional story goes that they were came to the end. There was no room at the end. They had to go to the stable and have the baby here. But is that really what it says? And um, I looked at a few websites just to give you a little bit of someone else's opinion, not just always mine. And the first one I went to was Rittmeyer Archaeological Design. And he says, from archaeology, we know that stables look like rooms with a fenestrated wall. That means a wall that comes out, has these little sections in it. Um, it can be an interior, exterior wall with several low windows. And fodder was put in wooden boxes or baskets and placed in the windows. Um, they also had sacks of provender, which is feed were stored in the other half of the room, and this could be where Mary and Joseph were. Um, but if you look at livingtheology.com, it also talks about a cave, a barn, fenestrated wall, a building, or a house. Um, now, barn people in ancient Near East didn't use the barns, so we know the barn story is out of there. The cave is a popular view, but it's wrong. And the caves, when I was over in Israel, I, it was a great opportunity to go there. The caves are actually holes in the ground. And it's this beautiful, beautiful white 
I don't know what it is. I don't know the name of it. I was trying to find it and it just took me on these other rabbit hole chases and I didn't want to do that. But you have all these tool marks. And the one that the first one I went in was where they were making olive oil. And for centuries, you know, all of this has been going on in there. They still had the olive oil press. It smelled amazing in there. Absolutely amazing. And then um, my husband and I went to another one where they used to have these little cubby holes that were cut out. And that's where they stored doves. And it was a huge building. I mean, it was huge. And these were all carved out by hand um, with the tools that they had. So thinking of a cave, you know, it could be possible that it was down there. But these caves are actually underground. They're not inside the side of a hill, most of them. Like what we typically think of with Carlsbad Caverns or some of the other caves that that you see, um, but these are just just amazing works of construction, I guess I call them works of art because I think it's, it's just so creative what they've done. Um, but that is also not what they're talking about here. So if you go to read, let's see, do you have, I don't know if I have Luke pulled up here, Luke two, four and seven is where the story is from. Oh, here it is. Okay. Can you go ahead and, and read that with two, four through seven? Absolutely. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Okay. So he doesn't say, that one doesn't say there's no room at the end. So what I wanted to let you know is the Greek word used in Luke for the word in is kataluna, which means guest room. It does not mean a hotel or an inn. Now, if you go back to the Good Samaritan who was beat up alongside of the road and, and the Good Samaritan came and or the Good Samaritan wasn't beat up alongside the road, but this other person was, this traveler. They took him to an inn, like what we would say, a hotel. And the word for that is, oh boy, this is going to be a good one. Pandochion, P-A-N-D-O-C-H-E-I-O-N. So you could tell they're two totally different words. And what this Cataluna means is, most of the houses had an upper room and then they had a lower room. The upper room was where the guests stayed. You had the home. You also had the places on the roof that you could to go to. Um, but then they had this lower room where um, it stored the most valuable animals. So there wasn't this whole, as we would think of a traditional barn full of animals at all. You know, maybe their donkey was there. But then again, you would have those. What was that word that they used? Uh, fenestrated. I just learned about that today. Um, you had the separate rooms for everything. So they were most likely in a house in the lower room where there might have been a few animals because the town was very big. And this was somebody's house. Um, some people say innkeeper. There isn't anywhere in Luke that it calls him an innkeeper um, that I saw. And um, so you invited people into your homes. Let me go to livingtheology.com. Oh, and this one is the guard. Uh, most families lived in a single room house with a lower compartment for animals to be brought in at night. 
And this is from uh, theguardian.com. And either a room at the back for visitors or space on the roof. The family living area would usually have hollows in the ground filled with straw in, in the living area where the animals would feed. So it wasn't a detached stable or a barn outside of there. It was actually there. And a lot of people think that Mary had to have this baby all by herself. And that just wasn't the case. They had midwives. Um, they were Jewish. They always had midwives around. So she did have somebody to help her through this first birth that she had. Um, and the swaddling clothes they talk about is actually strips of cloth, as you read. And it was just traditional to wrap the baby in this easier for changing the baby <laughs> than even easier than what we have now. So um, that's where that came. And the manger, you know, it would have been a been a place for the hay to store. It would have been a good place for a baby to be. So I kind of wanted to go over that to give you give you an idea of what it probably really was like for them. Um, it doesn't mean they were in this stinky, smelly place with all of these cows and the chickens and everything else. Um, it was was still probably had an aroma to it because the animals were there, but but it was more of a house. Um, so does that mean you go out and? buy your new creatures and uh, what you have for, for no, you know, keep what you have. But remember that, um, you know, maybe do a little bit of digging yourself and find out uh, what you can find out for what it really did look like. And it would have looked like at that time for Mary and Joseph. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is we talked about, um, or if you continue to read the story, you read about the shepherds <coughs> that were, um, that came, you know, a lot of these places have, have the shepherds and the wise men all together. And it's like, it really didn't happen that way. <laughs> and um, so the baby is born, angels appear to these shepherds up on the hillside and these shepherds, it was so cool when I was in Israel because the shepherds were actually children. Hmm. All of the ones that we saw that were tending the flocks and it was a mix of goats and, and sheep, they were all children. And it was just amazing to watch them play and, and herd the sheep and do what they're supposed to do, but still get to be kids at the same time. So I'm wondering these shepherds that came, how old were they really? You know, I don't know if anybody would know, you know, when you think about uh, King David, he was a shepherd boy. He wasn't old enough or big enough to go to war, but yet he went down there and brought food to his brothers and his brothers like, get out of here. What are you doing here? You're just here to here to see the fights going on. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it goes, no, dad told me to bring you food. And he goes, why isn't anybody fighting? Here he is this boy. And so when we think of the shepherds, you know, were they children? Were they a mix of children and adults both? Um, I would have liked to know that, you know, and, and see that. So that might be something to kind of think about, um, too. And and they came down and they saw what happened. They saw that what the angel said was true. And then where did the wise men come in? Well, the wise men come in. We have the 12 days of Christmas. The wise men come in January 6th for three kings say. <laughs> no, it actually took them two years to get there. And we'll talk more about that. Um, uh, next week too. 
um, because I want to tie that in as we go into Three Kings Day. Great holiday. You know, this is one thing I talked about with blended families in, in my earlier show is you have Christmas and then you have Three Kings Day. So if you have the blended families where everybody wants everybody at Christmas time, you can maybe think about what we did in our family because we have a blended family and we had the, the in-laws that were staying with us and the grandkids. And so we would let them go celebrate Christmas with their families. And then we got the grandkids on Three Kings Day. And so we'd set up these shoe boxes and fill them with hay and put carrots in there, maybe apples and set them outside the door, put in pans of water and, and maybe some cookies or something for the wise men. And then the grandkids would go look out the window to see if anybody had eaten any of the hay or eaten any of the carrots. And, and uh, then they'd go to sleep for that night. And when they woke up in the morning, they would each have three presents, you know, a small one, a medium sized one and a larger one representing the gifts from the three wise men. I don't know if there was just three or how many there really were, but, but it's just kind of a fun way that you still get to celebrate the holidays together. And it's less stressful because you don't have everybody fighting over, well, we have to be here at eight o'clock. We have to be here at noon. We have to be here at two o'clock. We have to be here at seven o'clock. And, and it's like, you know, you get the whole day to yourself. <laughs> so that was kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I've got to, Make sure I keep a, a look on my time here. <laughs> oh, yep, it is. It's break time. Okay, so when we come back, we'll talk more about this and, and we'll talk more about Albert and I'll let him do some talking. So we'll see you right after this break. Boom. <laughs> You've completed college or university or are working hard in your career. Perhaps you decided to be a stay-at-home mom. Perhaps you're wondering if who you really are got lost somewhere along the way. Asking, is this all there is? You know you were meant for more, or were you? Yes, we each have a purpose in life, and that purpose can be fulfilled. It doesn't matter if you are 18 or 80. You matter in this world, and especially in your world. Tune in to The Value in You Show with your guiding coach and mentor, Alice Kirkpatrick. Ellis will help you find your purpose. Listen for The Value in You Show with Ellis Kirkpatrick each Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Value in You show with Ellis Kirkpatrick. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to valueinyoupodcast at gmail.com asking how to participate in the program. Now, back to the show. Hi, and welcome back, and thank you for being here on this 
Christmas special. <laughs> um, getting ready for for Christmas Day. Um, but Albert, tell me what have you got going on? Man, um, so currently right now I'm in school. I had to go to Minnesota Diploma. Um, few classes uh, from from achieving that for next year. Um, and I'm currently starting my local church in Round Rock. Uh, being involved in youth youth leadership, uh, mentoring youth and possibly you know the next generation. And um, it's been incredible. I love having the opportunity of seeing what God does in the active generation of now and the future. And I, it's just it's something that I attribute to a calling of myself of of getting a chance to do this for a lifetime, which I can't wait to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it that you're looking at the future for this. Um, so what have you got to say about this? I know you've got some notes here, so I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so when we, when we, we talked originally about uh, talking about, you know, the story of Mary and Joseph, uh, I really wanted to kind of go into the details of the original like story of it all of, of, of when the angel approached uh, Mary, because, a lot of times we kind of like uh, gloss over the story of just realizing that, you know, oh, Mary was told she was going to give birth to the Savior. And that was kind of it. But if you kind of look into the deep details of it and how her her calling of, of to being the mother towards Jesus and how very close before Elizabeth had a similar encounter with the angel for her child, John the Baptist, yeah. God was doing something of, 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 an, of a great miracle that people would never have saw unless they do that story. So <clears throat> going back into the scriptures, um, just seeing the details of it, of when, when he, when, when Gabriel originally met with Mary and stuff, first thing I love that in scripture was when, when, when an angel approached her, the first thing he said, Hey, do not be afraid. You know, yeah. a highly favored one before he had given her the word of encouragement, a word of calling she had given her, her a word of like, you are highly favored before I'm about to speak anything. And Mary didn't really know that I had to absorb that word. She was like, they said highly perplexed. Other translations were, were feared, disturbed. Or like, how do I take this kind of word and stuff? And he goes into detail what that would be like. So if you guys are following along with it, I encourage you guys to follow along in scripture because when you got to get to see the details of, of that scripture, it's amazing. So where's that found? So Luke 1, uh, 26 through 38, okay. that's kind of the, the encapsulated part of it. But I'm going to go through specific verses because I just want to like pick it up for um, certain ones. So after um, after her statement, her being perplexed, I want to say it's about 28 or 29, depending on your translation. Um, so again, she said, you know, Ado says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son. And you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? So right there, God, you know, the angel, angel of the Lord has given, uh, given Mary a great word. But the first thing Mary hears is, is how is that going to happen if I'm a virgin? So a few things are at play to be in, to for, I guess, Mary to, to come forward with the angel, the negatives of it. Like, well, two things. One, I'm a virgin. Typically, you know, in, in regards to birthing childhood, you know, a, a consummation happened between a man and wife for, through marriage for childbirth to happen. So immediately when she was given this word, she's like, I haven't had the wedding yet. I haven't had the feast yet. I had the celebration with my husband. I had anything of this yet. And you're already going to tell him I'm to have a child. And then the second thing was, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a young woman, you know, I, I'm a lot of the negatives in her mind were immediately kind of were, were like going through her mind. And she was kind of telling the angel that but the angel had told her, 
you know, scriptures after that this is going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, God of Most High. So afterwards, if we're falling back along, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself will conceive a son in her old age. And she was, for she was called infertile, is now in her sixth month. So I kind of want to stop right there and kind of like go through even the bigger details. See, because that story alone, before both births ever happened, I think God was trying to tell not only us, but the generations uh, to come that God was going to do the impossible in two different instances. You see, what you have with Mary, instance of a virgin birth that has never been called, you know, never happened before. And a lot of eyes in the medical world and people who doesn't, weren't familiar with the medical world would consider impossible. Then you have Elizabeth's scenario where she was pro she was way past the age of having children birth in, in that culture. She was considered a fertile. And they, and they said those thing, things about her. But God was going to do something impossible in those women's lives to show that when Jesus' birth came into, into, into the scene, into reality, that this was a story of a miracle. Like what, what Ms. Linda and uh, Ellis Carpatrick was saying, this story of Jesus, you know, the things we celebrate about Christmas, the nativity scene, everything we, we can maybe commercialize about, the greatest miracle was going to happen at that event. It was a huge thing that was happening. And, and even before we got to that moment, the just the mere talking of both of them being pregnant was a miracle of itself. It was considered impossible. Yet God was going to show even through those women's lives. And maybe an encouragement to you who's watching right now, God can do the impossible in your life. And oftentimes, uh, and, and I put a note here for like one of someone to say, when God does the impossible in your life, you will be called names from people who are in the dark about the details. You see, God, you know, told Elizabeth, you were going to have a child. But to others, she was infertile. She, she couldn't. God told Mary she was going to have a child. But to others, they were, they were going to Joseph of having her stoned, of having her excommunicated from the relationship. Because at that time, you know, if you were if you were with a child before marriage happened, you were considered, uh, uh, you know, sin, you know, you were considered dirty. And, and the idea was that you were, you were supposed to be thrown, thrown out, stoned away. And they gave Joseph the opportunity, you know, to do that. And again, because God was going to do the impossible, Gabriel, the same angel, approached Joseph later, you know, um, before that even happened. And that and that and that story was in Matthew, um, in Matthew uh, 1, 18 to 25. If you're following along, <clears throat> it's about the same event. So Luke's talking about the, the event of when um, Mary was approached by Gabriel, but then in Matthew 1, 18, after the genealogy, he's gonna go into the detail of what, what uh, the angel approached Joseph. So again, I'm following the verse I just said. Now the birth of Jesus Messiah was as follows: when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So again, Jesus, you know, it, this story of the miracle is going to be in line through everyone. This wasn't going to be a secret miracle. God was going to uh, align this promise of a great miracle for everyone involved, including Joseph. Because again, like I just said earlier, if you were found to be pregnant before before the, the marriage that ceremony happened, you were considered unclean and sinned and to be banished away from all your village but for, for, for excommunicated from the family. And God has spoken to Joseph to remind him and to tell him, no, 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 this is of the Lord. So Right then and there, God was not only to, to uh, keep Joseph in the details of reminding him 
of what was going to transpire in their life. He made sure it was, it, it was it was confirmed in Elizabeth's life, in Mary's life. God had all the details aligned and told those three uh, specific people, even when others were snickering, were sneering, were saying names. And I'm sure we feel that a lot of our lives when God does an impossible thing in our life. I want to encourage you. If God gives you those details, if God gives you a word, believe his word that it will come to pass. So that's like, like, like Klaus kept crushing. When you know these details of the nativity scene of what it really means in your life, it puts a greater perspective and a greater appreciation of why Jesus truly is the reason, the reason for the season, not just about the gifts, about the presents, about the toys. Although all are great, the greatest gift of miracle we were going to receive happened in a manger. For salvation, and I and I and I'm, <clears throat> I'm ever so thankful for it, you know. And um, another detail that even else compassion mentioned that was something that was almost like uh, foretelling of what was going to happen on the cross was when he was wrapped in cloth. Now, scriptures talks about what Jesus was as big was wrapped in cloth. Now, if you didn't know, and I, and I did a little research uh, through a few commentaries myself, when they would wrap a lamb before a sacrifice to bring to the priest, they would wrap it tightly because the idea was they didn't want any blemish, any scar, any imperfection to happen on the, on the animal sacrifice before the approach to priest, before the sacrifice was happening. Jesus, even as a baby, was wrapped in cloth, perfect but without blemish because this was going to be foretelling of what his future sacrifice was going to mean on the cross. His true divine purpose here on this earth which is to defeat sin, defeat death, so where we could have an opportunity to see him in, in, in all of his glory. So even then, at his birth, was going to be a foretelling sign what was to happen on the cross. That is so funny, too. Not, not that that's funny, but um, in my study today was that very thing. It was talking about the lamb being wrapped up and and how his relation to Jesus being wrapped up. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I don't know if it'll fit in my show. Of course it would fit in the show. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah, that's that's a, a good thing to bring up is, um, yeah, I, I never even thought about it that way before. Um, so, you know, so what does this mean for, for our future and for going forward? Um, you know, it, it gives you, you know, I talk about using a different perspective on, on your life and what you do and how you see things. And so maybe don't always take things at face value. You know, we've had all these traditions that we've had for years of, of, you know, Mary and Joseph in this barn with all these cows and everything else all around them. And with the shepherds here and the wise men here and all of this, um, you know, maybe look at it as find out what really did happen and set up your your own, you know, display on what you believe in and ask people, you know, ask ask your pastors about it. What was really going on? What would have it looked like? You know, um, did they have where did they get their food? I mean, they've been traveling all this time. Was their food almost all gone? Did they have to go buy food? Did the people they stayed with, um, you know, was that provided? Did they? You know, how did it all work? I mean, there's a lot of things that was happening here that we need to look beyond just the very quick instant of the story and find out what was it really like? You know, here's this young woman who's who's 
never had a child before, um, traveling to this new town with new people all around her, um, you know, were there relatives there? Did they know anybody there? Was it, um, you know, did Joseph know people there? Uh, it was really kind of, kind of interesting. And, and I've, would have liked to know when did Mary and Joseph actually get married? We're not really told about it. We're just, you know, I'm, I would have to go into studying more of the Jewish traditions of, of when did they get married right. um, along through there. But we're getting ready to go on break. And when we come back, we're going to find out about some more traditions and find out how it applies to your life and what you can do. This is a, a new year. You can make up new traditions for your own family. So we'll see you right after this break. <laughs> You've completed college or university or are working hard in your career. Perhaps you decided to be a stay-at-home mom. Perhaps you're wondering if who you really are got lost somewhere along the way. Asking, is this all there is? You know you were meant for more. Or were you? Yes. We each have a purpose in life, and that purpose can be fulfilled. It doesn't matter if you are 18 or 80. You matter in this world, and especially in your world. Tune in to The Value in You Show with your guiding coach and mentor, Alice Kirkpatrick. Ellis will help you find your purpose. Listen for The Value in You Show with Ellis Kirkpatrick each Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is the Value in You Show with Ellis Kirkpatrick. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to valueinyoupodcast at gmail.com asking how to participate in the program. Now, back to the show. I love having that there. Boy, I think we need to get you your own show on here. <laughs> I think we should. We're going to have to have a talk with, <laughs> with everybody here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm earlier today, I was trying to find the song. And because I'm not familiar with it, I'm not familiar with the artist. I couldn't. But the song is, is talking about there is no king who stepped down from his throne um, to die for me. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty powerful. Um, but that's what Jesus did. He mm -hmm. came down from heaven. You know, he was there in the beginning when the earth was created. Um, we hear that in the book of John. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. But he came down to be born as a baby, to grow up, to live his life, to go through everything that that you know, we could go through, um, but, you know, they say, well, he was God, so he was perfect, and um, 
I found out something from a pastor that sin is carried down through the father. Sorry, guys, not my my saying on this, but that's why it is. And that's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin so that that sin did not keep passing through to him. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. So that's why we have a perfect Jesus. Um, but he still, you know, had to grow up, learn to walk, learn to talk feed himself, go through all of these things. But he was already talking to his heavenly father. We know this because when he was 12, he went in and taught at the temple. Now, you just don't automatically go talk, teach at the temple unless you've been talking with God ahead of time. Um, so, you know, and, and Joseph took on the task of raising this boy as his own too. He knew that he was, I just can't even imagine what that had to be like either as Mary or as Joseph, knowing that you're raising God's only son. You're raising the one who's going to be the gap, uh, the, the only way to close the gap between God and man, because that gap came when sin entered the world. Um, you know, the separation between God and man is is what's called sin. It's what keeps us from from having that close relationship is what makes all the bad happen in the world. And he came to do that. You know, I, I think one of the most heart wrenching things for me to consider is when Jesus is on the cross in order for him to close that gap between man and God is God had to turn his back on his own son and ignore him and let him die and i think that just had to be so hard to do i mean you know before jesus went up there he prayed father take this cup from me if there's some other way that it can be done and there wasn't and yet you know how could you as a parent let your let that happen to your child i wouldn't be able to do it i would be freaking out but but God knew it would be better for all of us. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's just amazing that, that that happened. You know, I, I remember being told that the curtain in the temple was ripped in half when, mm -hmm. when Jesus died. And now the significance of that, and I didn't find this out till years later, is that um, one of the things that, the um, Jewish people will do when something has happened to someone. And I'm sorry that I don't know more about this. I, I need to get, get old of a synagogue and start learning stuff. But anyways, they rip, they rip the collar of their cloth. They rip their cloth and they tear it. And that's what that symbolizes that there's that separation that happened. And, um, you know, so think how devastated God was. That he He's the one who tore that cloth in the temple. It was it just, it had to hurt so bad to do that. But then Jesus was raised and, and we're all saved because of that. Um, he just didn't stop there. And then he came back. I mean, it's, it's just an amazing story of what, you know, he did for us. Um, and I know it's probably kind of all strange and excuse me getting me choked up 
kind of all strange and, and weird and sometimes hard to understand. But um, if you knew that the only way to save people was to sacrifice your own child, would you be able to do it? Um, God did because he loved all of us so much. But he knew that the death of his son was not going to be the end. They knew that his son would come back and we have an eternal eternal life, you know, going that way. And you, you get to choose. He says, I'm not going to force you to decide, you know, to love me or not love me, to believe me or not believe me. You get the choice. You decide what you want for your life. You can believe or not believe. I want you to believe because I want the best for you. But but that's where it's at. So let's talk about some traditions. <laughs> Get out of the heavy stuff. What do you typically do? What's some traditions that your family does for Christmas? Uh, I would say for Christmas, uh, we normally, uh, depends on the year, uh, we open Christmas presents on Christmas Day or Christmas uh, Eve. Um, but big thing I would say, a consistent thing that we've done throughout the years is watching the TV story. Because again, it was something that my parents wanted to instill in me as a child and even as I'm older now and help, you know, with them raise my nephews is to remind everyone what the reason of the season is of like as much as you know we love our, our the christmas movie like elf or christmas with the cranks there's a bunch of good ones we like to watch what what points back to the main thing of why we're here why we have the opportunity to open presents on jesus birthday you know it's a typical it's a typical reverse of when it's your birthday you get to open presents on your birthday but when it's a, when we're celebrating god's birthday we're getting a chance to open presents on that day was it was being reminded of like you said that this was to be the greatest miracle, the greatest gift we could ever receive. So when we watched this, and it was born before we opened up any presents, before we opened up anything, it was to be reminded what the reason was. Why are we here? That's really that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good. I uh, um, I just I'm <laughs> thinking about all all the many Christmases, and I've had a lot. <laughs> Sixty sixty five. Oh, it'll be 65 Christmases this year <laughs> that I've got to go through and, and all the differences in them and the things that um, uh, the traditions that I've passed along the new traditions we've come up with and, and what we do um, this year, I get to go spend it with one of our children and their family. And um, I, I'm pretty excited about that. I actually took presents to another uh, child and family earlier. Um, it was actually in, in, uh, uh would have been been the end of of november not thanksgiving but around that time and so we did presents early then because we weren't going to be able to be around uh, just because of distance and stuff um so you know i i have no idea what we're going to do because you know this family has has is a very blended family and there are this grandparent and that grandparent and this great grandparent and this aunt and uncle and they have a lot of stuff going on so uh, for me for that family is just being there mm -hmm. for them letting them know that but um yeah that's that's interesting when I was growing up we always had the little nativity scene and and talked about that and whatnot but yeah we always we knew why why we were celebrating Christmas but a lot of people don't understand what it's all about. Why are you celebrating Christmas? What's really going on with it? What what is is your Christmas why? There's a question for you. What's your Christmas why? Why are you celebrating Christmas? Is it a time to um, share with each other? Is it a time to um, uh, 
just relax and enjoy being a family? Um, you know, is it because it's been a tradition that your family was doing? And so what are some of the things that you're going to do? What, what makes Christmas special in your house? And, uh, you know, we talked about this on, on a previous show, too, about some of the different things you can do. And, and you can still go to my website, www.lskirkpatrick.com. And under the free page that I have there, you can still print out, you know, some of the things you can do for Christmas, um, ways to prepare, ways not to be stressed. I, I really like the idea of everybody being together. This is also a great time. And I know it's not the fourth or the last Friday. It's not the last Friday of the month where we talk about genealogy. But this is a great time to ask those questions from your relatives. Find out, you know, why was this important? Why, you know, maybe you have a piece of furniture. My sister has a, a chest of drawers that actually has rope burns on it that my grandma, my grandma had as a young child. And the rope burns are because they still traveled by a wagon at that time. And those ropes were on there tight to hold it in there so it didn't break or juggle apart. And, you know, so that's kind of an interesting thing. So, you know, you can maybe talk about those things and ask the questions of, of what you want to know. But, um, yeah, and maybe this is the year you set up some new traditions. You know, we kind of talked about picnicking on the beach last Friday. <laughs> And I always thought that would be fun to do one time. And, and you know, I'm going to set it up so we can go picnic on the beach one, one Christmas. That just sounds like a lot of fun. Some people don't like doing that, but it's like, oh, that's neat. And you don't have to if it's not something that you want to do. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's cool. I like the way that you always bring that story in. Yeah, we always had watch the Christmas story. Scrooge was one of my favorites. Um, I liked Ebenezer Scrooge, um, Al Albert Finney, uh, when he was a young man, he actually got made up as an old man and <laughs> it was pretty accurate what he is, what he, what he was later on in years. But I always liked that because it, it had heart. It was about someone who was, was changing their heart from, from something so unhappy and so sad into something that was, I love the way he was smiling and giving and so excited about everything afterwards. And, and uh, um, what is it? The, uh, the Christmas story with Jimmy Stewart in it. I can't think of what that one's called where he saw what his life would be like and the life of those around him if he'd never been born, you know, and that's kind of a sad thing because gosh, each life touches so many other lives um, but I see we're getting ready to go on a break. Um, when we come back, we'll have a few minutes to talk a little bit more about it. And, and uh, gosh, I, I wish I could, you know, go ahead and send me um, emails. And 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 then when the show is, is live, we can talk about it. But I want to hear what are some of your traditions. So you just go to valueandyoupodcast at gmail.com. Tell me about some of your traditions, some of the things that you enjoy doing, things that maybe you wish you did now that you used to do as a kid or things that you never got to do as a kid that you either do now or you want to start incorporating into your, your family traditions. Um, so we'll be back right after this break. <laughs> You've completed college or university or are working hard in your career. Perhaps you decided to be a stay-at-home mom. 
Perhaps you're wondering if who you really are got lost somewhere along the way. Asking, is this all there is? You know you were meant for more. Or were you? Yes, we each have a purpose in life, and that purpose can be fulfilled. It doesn't matter if you are 18 or 80. You matter in this world, and especially in your world. Tune in to The Value in You Show with your guiding coach and mentor, Alice Kirkpatrick. Ellis will help you find your purpose. Listen for The Value in You Show with Ellis Kirkpatrick each Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Value in You Show with Ellis Kirkpatrick. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to valueinupodcast at gmail.com asking how to participate in the program. Now, back to the show. So, Albert, is there something you really want to recap and tell people before Christmas happens? <laughs> I definitely want to encourage um, those who may be going through a, a lonelier Christmas. You know, every year, I think we sometimes, again, we gloss over the fact that you know, Christmas is a joyous time around. A lot of times it is and stuff of being around with family, taking time away from work and getting a chance to open those, you know, uh, uh, boxes of, you know, those used socks you'll use, sometimes wear, sometimes not, you know. But <laughs> to others, you know, this is a this is a hard time during these yeah. holidays because loved ones are lost or, you know, families are far away to reach and stuff. So I just wanted to kind of encourage um, to everyone who's having a, a, a lonelier Christmas this year um, to have hope to seek after God and to seek um, just to again, be reminded that, you know, if uh, us united in Christ, us believing that death is only but a parting gift, uh, uh, but, uh, but a, a doorway, meaning that we will see them again. So the, the, these holidays are hard and, and these times to, you know, be with people that, you know, sometimes are hard to be around with family, but sometimes you, you, you the family members that are not here, but always be mindful and being just treasuring the memories you had, but being purposeful of what the future will hold. So the best thing you can do for the family members of the past is to keep the traditions that set so much foundational roots to who you are and keep them going to the next generation. Because unfortunately, that's what's, ha what's happening in my generation is a lot of the things that we grew up with as kids, we're not doing our part and taking them with us as adults. Mm -hmm. So I want us to be more... Um, purposeful and just dutiful of doing that so whether it's your relationship with your with jesus christ you know your grandparents make sure your relationship is known to your grandkids i know sometimes we we take it as like oh i want to you know have my time with them and though and that time is valuable it's one of them and, and, and taking care of them but also let them know that hey their grandparents go to church and they love jesus and those moments of cooking in the kitchen, hey, bring them into the kitchen and cook with them. Yeah, they may be upset that you took them away from their Xbox or PlayStation, but those <laughs> memories of, of establishing a generation, of familyhood, a family a brotherhood, that doesn't happen unless you take those moments of intentionality and separating from the norm and bringing those moments of why we do what we do. This is why we go to church. This is why I believe in Jesus. This is why I teach you the things I teach you. This is why we cook. This is why we have to have meals on Sunday. This is why we do what we do instead of just telling them, oh, we go because we go. Because yeah. if you if you portray an artificial relationship with Jesus, that will trickle into everything that you do. 
So if you just cook just to cook, well, what's the purpose of it? Why do I need to take it with me if there's no value in it? Again, the, the, the title of the whole pocket, value in, in you, there's value in everything that you do. Yeah. So your words have value, your actions have value. So again, I want to encourage to those who have the, those roots, continue to, to plant them deeper. Continue to ask God how you can be a, a continuing voice to the to your family. Because I promise you, your words aren't wasted and neither are your actions if rooted and planted in faith. So keep those keep those traditions going. I love that. I love there's I didn't I just the most fun <laughs> that I ever had with my grandkids is when we were doing things together, when we were baking the cookies, when we were making breakfast, pancakes, whatever it was. And it didn't matter what a mess they made because it was the joy of doing it together, of of talking and sharing and having fun. And you could talk about the stories and, well, why do you like this recipe? Or why do you like these things and not that? Or sometimes we would get the recipe book that was my, my family's book that they did years ago. So we would get it out and we would try some of these new recipes that maybe weren't so healthy <laughs> choices. <laughs> maybe sometimes we had to, well, let's modify it a little bit so we can make it a little healthier for us. Um, but it was it was passing down that time together. And, and that's the biggest thing right there is spending the time together, not being in the same building together, but actually taking the time to interact with each other. Um, I had some young men that came over one time and we were talking about how I just heard on the radio that, you know, the older generation was unhappy with the younger generation because they never do things together. And the kids were saying, well, we do stuff. We get, you know, when we're playing X game, Xbox games together, we're talking, we're sharing, or we're talking about our day, we're talking about what's going on, you know, all of this stuff. And that's really great. And, and I thought, wow, that's a really great answer. And then I keep thinking about that and because it seemed like something's missing. And I think what's missing is when you're still playing on the games, and I am a big gamer. I love playing Xbox, especially with my grandkids. There's nothing more fun than that, except maybe baking. <laughs> but, um, but when you're out working on a car, when you're out working in the garden, uh, you know, building something, you know, whether it's a gazebo or a swing or a birdhouse, whatever it is, one, you're you're learning new skills, um, skills that you don't learn when you're playing on the Wii or you're playing on the Xbox or the PSP, whatever it is, Nintendo that you're playing on. Um, you're learning these skills to that you're going to use later in life. Look at what happened at COVID. People didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to do things for themselves. Um, which is really sad because it wasn't that long ago. Everybody did everything for themselves. You know, they knew how to fix things. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, this wasn't happening. So people started learning to do things, which was great. But the time that, that you're spending together, when you're not only spending the time visiting and talking, and which is really great, 
but you're also learning a new skill. You're finding out how things work. You're learning what does work and what doesn't work. You're learning that if you use something that looks white, it may be salt instead of sugar, and it's not going to taste as good. <laughs> or the opposite, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe oh, this is awful. Um, but but you're learning these skills, and you're learning how to do for yourself. You're learning how to work together. Um, and I think that's really important too. Is is passing these skills on to each other. Um, I love getting together. You know, of course, now I'm getting to be the older generation. But when I was young, I loved listening to the stories of of my grandparents. You know what they did because this was a whole world that I never got to be a part of. And how did they think through these things? And and why did they make the decisions they made? And how did you survive during this? And you know they talked about my own mother talked about living in in a sod house. Well, a sod house you have a dirt floor. Well, wasn't everything dirty? No, you put water down and you'd sweep it out and you everybody'd sleep on the floor. Then you'd get back up because it's a big one room. I mean, gosh, look how things have changed so much. Um, so find out, you know, why people did the things they did. Um, just just share these stories, share your life, find out what's going on right now. Um, I love talking with my grandkids about what is happening in their lives right now. And, and what, what do they think they should do about it, whether it's at school or whatever it is, because they've got these great minds that just give you a way to think of things that I never would have thought of and things that I didn't have to live through because I never had computers. I didn't have to work at schools with computers. And, and it's just, it's interesting to see how, how thinking has changed through the years too. Um, so do you have any last closing messages? Absolutely. Um, to everything Elizabeth Patrick said, I want to encourage you guys of continuing that tradition forward. Find something that takes you out of your comfort zone to make a memory mm -hmm. that will last forever. So to the grandparents, maybe you're not so technology familiar. If you'd ask your grandkids, hey, what is this switch or anything about? And I'm sure they'll gladly show you because they would see you taking interest in what they love to do. And to the young kids, you know, I'm I'm getting older now. So if it's anyone younger than me or around my age, you know, the things that you see your, your grandparents and parents are doing in the kitchen or out in the yard or something like that, 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 that they take a true genuine interest in, hey, Go out there. Hey, Dad, why are you sanding that bench? Or, hey, Mom, why is playing so much important to you? And when you do that and you find something new of skill to value to work in yourself, those are when the memories last forever. And that's how traditions stay and stay rooted for generations to come. Yeah, very wise words, right words. So I'm going to say happy holidays. So it covers all the holidays. I'm going to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Happy any other holiday that you celebrate during this time. And just enjoy your time together. Enjoy being together because you never know when it's the last time you're going to be together. Thank and you for listening to the Value that, in You show. Ellis returns Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember that you have great value. You are worthy, and you are enough. You are.